You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the I'm Driving Home from City Field edition instant reaction. Mets beat the Nationals. On the Evan Roberts podcast, what a freaking night. What a freaking night. Hold on. I'm trying to avoid hitting people. They don't really care. Uh, I'm trying to get out of the lot. I, I Listen, I don't mind. Anybody can do whatever the hell they want right now because tonight still doesn't feel real. I mean, I, I spent how many innings after Anthony Rendon hit that home run, after the Mets blew a golden opportunity against uh, Steven Strasburg and an opportunity, or maybe that was against, uh, what's his name, Daniel Hudson kind of realizing, all right, it's not the end of the world. It's a little bit of a buzzkill. They're not going to win this freaking game. But don't worry, this run that they've been on is not, you know, dead yet. You know, we're not canceling the freaking season. And the Mets have pulled off a win that, look, I don't know where this team goes at this very moment. I don't give a damn. What I know is that the Mets pulled one out of their ass tonight at City Field. Uh, the cop is not telling me what to do. Should I run this person over? Nah, he's wearing a Piazza jersey. I'm good. I'll tell you, I got out of this place quick. I enjoyed a few minutes after the Conforto walk-off, and then I realized the longer I wait, the more of a bitch it's going to be to get the hell out of here. And I'm already, you know, on my way to the, the Whitestone Expressway, whatever the hell it is. But this night doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real when they're down 3 nothing. What a buzzkill that moment was. And Pete Alonzo hits a huge two-run homer just to get him back in the game. I mean, just, just to give you that thought of, all right, 3-2, here we go. And then J.D. Davis, who has been a hitting machine in the second half of the year, he's an everyday player right now, we'll see how long it lasts, goes opposite field. I mean, a bomb the right field. And that was the first moment of pinch myself. Like, wow, they immediately erased that three-run deficit. Marcus Stroman was not great today, but he was getting in and out of jams all night. How many innings did he end with a big strikeout, including Anthony Rendon? And the Anthony Rendon strikeout, I think it was the fourth or fifth inning, that occurred while I was on the toilet. And I do have to address the toilet issue that I had tonight at City Field. This is a podcast. We're not on, you know, sports talk radio. So if you're disgusted, you know, skip the next two and a half minutes. But this is interesting. So after the Mets had tied the game, Whenever they struck out Rendon with two on and two out, whatever inning that was, there were two outs and nobody on. He walked Trey Turner, I think. Um, And then the Nats had a little bit of a rally and Stroman got a big out. My stomach started barking. And I I don't know why. I didn't eat anything terrible. And I never leave my seat during a game. Never. I'll never do it. Like, why would I? I? I can always get through it. And so... I run to the City Field bathroom. What's great about City is they got the TVs on, they got the radio on. So I'm sitting there on the toilet, at least hearing Howie Rose tell me what's going on. And I had a massive stomach ache, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But here's what I will get into. The, the, the flushing, which is automatic 
goes off while you're sitting there. I, dude, I jumped out of that seat twice while I was taking care of business. Twice. Because all of a sudden you hear this loud and I'm jumping up because I, God knows what's about to happen. It's like your natural reaction. So it was a very uncomfortable three and a half minutes. Howie did a brilliant job. He described the strikeout. I got back for the bottom half of the inning, but that was, it was not a good experience and it's rare. I'm telling you, there, there are very few times, important game, not important game, whatever, that I could count where I actually had to leave in the middle of some sequence to go to the restroom. But listen, it happened. I have no idea why, but I mean, I'm all for the automatic flush, but you can't have the automatic flush go off while you're sitting there. It's the scariest crap ever. Anyhow, I digress, no pun intended. Let's get to Mickey Calloway. Look, this was not easy. And there are some criticisms I have of Mickey where you can go either way with it. But, and I tweeted this at the time, the idea of Marcus Stroman coming out to start the seventh inning, I hate it. Now, I love that Mickey's going to push the starters. He said that with uh, JJ and I this week, my first chance and probably only chance to interview the manager. And he said, look, the horses are going to get to ride. We are going to let these guys go and we're going to push them. And I'm all for that. I'm absolutely all for that. Marcus Stroman was not great tonight. What I'll give Stroman credit for is that he was able to gut his way through a lot of jams right out of the gate. You know, when he puts a guy on base, and I think it was Trey Turner steals second, and he's able to fight through the inning. And that was the story of the night. I mean, he put on 12 base runners in the six-plus innings. But if you look at how effective the top of the order was against Stroman tonight, the idea that you're letting him start the seventh inning, I don't care about the pitch count. 102, who cares? Sometimes the pitch count is negative because we take a guy out too early, and sometimes the pitch count is negative because we say, oh, let's keep this guy in. His pitch count is relatively low. I have no issue with 102. I have an issue with Stroman starting the inning. And of course, he walks Turner, and now he goes to Justin Wilson. Okay, fine. Now, you want to go to Justin Wilson and try to get out of meeting out, lefty on lefty, and I know Justin Wilson has not been a typical loogie, if you will, but why Mickey? Tell me why. You've got Seth Lugo warming up. For what purpose? Because if you're not using him to go to Anthony Rendon, when after Rendon there's back-to-back left-hand hitters, what the hell's the point of him warming up? Why is he there? This guy talks about dry-humping pitchers. Never want to dry-hump pitchers. He dry-humps Seth Lugo more than anybody. I don't have a witty, you know, more than his high school girlfriend. I, I, I don't care. The point is... If you want to keep Justin Wilson in, I'm not even saying that's the worst thing in the world. Wilson's pitched well. He can get lefties out. He can get righties out. I don't love Wilson versus Rendon. I don't love it. But I get it. With back-to-back lefties coming up, why was Lugo warming up? I mean, was the thought, if Eaton gets on, you'll go to Lugo? Two on, nobody out? Like, what? what is the thought process there? You warm up your best reliever, it probably makes sense to use your best reliever he decided not to do that. That's critique number one. All right? that's, that's, and I think that's a fair one. Using Gazelman, using Luis Avalon, I have no problem. I mean, look, he said it to us. If they're down in a game, if they're down multiple runs, he's going to want to save those bullets. And with games coming up on Saturday and Sunday and how protective they've been on Lugo and Edwin Diaz, down by two, I get it. I totally get it. What was horrible to watch was Wilson Ramos and Luis Avalon having their head up their derrieres on that, I mean, was it even a wild pitch? The pull got three feet away from Ramos and the run scores, and I'm thinking, 
what, what all of us are thinking, which is that effing run is going to kill him. By the way, I am flying now. I'm about to get on the Whitestone Bridge, and I got a lot to say. So this could actually be one of those podcasts that finishes with me in my driveway because I may actually complete the trip. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know how long I want to go. There's a part of me that wants to just shut my mouth for a little bit because, as you can hear, there was a lot of screaming tonight. A lot of screaming. Uh, the other critique on Mickey, and, and again, this is not end-of-the-world stuff. It's just observations. If Pete Alonso is not going to make a big deal on that Juan Soto chopper, if he doesn't think he tagged the runner and makes no reaction as if he did, it's probably not worth the challenge. Now, maybe you're thinking at that point in the game, why the hell not? I may as well use it. But may as well use it. It's probably not going to work. It's probably not going to go anywhere. But overall, the Mets, and it starts with Stroman, they overall did a very good job of getting out of jams. I mean, if I'm a national fan today, uh, tonight, I'm pissed off for many reasons. Not only the Doolittle meant that meltdown, but how many opportunities did they have in this game to break it open? They had so many opportunities. And obviously, Soto hits that just monstrous home run early in the game. I guess that was the top of the third or the top of the fourth. I think it was the top of the fourth when they scored the three runs. Rendon hits that triple where Conforto and Jeff McNeil looked very confused in the outfield. And we get it. Look, Michael Conforto is not a real center fielder. He's a corner outfielder. Jeff McNeil is learning how to play the corner outfield. Uh, So moments like that are going to happen. This is not a great defensive team. I think we all understand that. But the way the offense responded, and this was the part of me that deep in my soul thought this night was going to end well. The way they responded in that bottom of the fourth inning was sort of magical. I mean, to be down 3-0, Steven Strasburg is dominating over the first three innings, and for Alonzo to have that big-time moment, I know he's had a few now. I know he's had a few. The, the line drive home run a couple of days ago, I get it. But this one with a packed house, with City Field shaking, and I got to get to that. I got to get to the crowd and, and me getting here tonight because I walked in right in the middle of that top of the first inning. Obviously, I was doing the show today in the afternoon, so it was a pain-in-the-ass commute. But that was such a great moment for Pete Alonso. And what can I say about Todd Frazier? I mean, look, I, I have said a lot of bad things about Todd, and they've been true. I mean, I don't apologize for them. He is what he is as a baseball player, and I call it like I see it. I have nothing against him personally, obviously. He's on the Mets. I want him to do well. But when he came up after the Ramos base hit, first and third, nobody out, down by three, I said to the dude sitting next to me, who's probably listening right now, I said, dude sitting next to me, is it too much to ask Todd Frazier to park one? Is that asking too much? Because if he ever hit a home run here, I would, you know, my my feeling towards Todd would be very different. No matter what he does over the next couple of days. Now, the next couple of weeks, if he goes one for 50, I will obviously turn on him very quickly. I will heel turn the crap out of him. But at least for the weekend, I'll feel good about the Todd father. That stupid nickname. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't react. He just kind of grunted. And off the bat, I just felt it was gone. I I wasn't worried about it going foul. I'm staring at that baseball. And luckily, as I saw it go fair, I quickly turned my head to Todd and was able to see the back end of his backflip, or bat bat flip, where he stands there and just freaking throws the bat into the air. Welcome to the Mets, Todd Frazier. Welcome to my love, Todd Frazier. And here's what I would sort of compare it to. And there isn't one specific moment, 
but think about how we feel about Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson comes back and he gets all of these nice hands by Met fans. And it certainly wasn't the beginning of his Met career. And he ended up having a very nice Met career, but you ended up trusting him in big spots. That's really what it came down to with Curtis. He made that incredible play in the wild card game while playing center field. He had big hits in the postseason in 2015. And forever, even though it didn't end with a championship, you feel good about Curtis Granderson. Todd Frazier tonight with that freaking home run. I'm not going to say he's there. I will say he is moving in that direction. That was a big jump for Todd Frazier. Huge. I mean, when you think about the magnitude of that, that is a moment and a half for the Todd father. And what really made it awesome, and I say this garbage all the time, but I mean it. Because I say it after a Met blows a save, a Yankee blows a save. I always say, look, it's bad when you blow a save, but don't lose the game entirely. Get through the inning. And for Sean Doolittle, he had a chance. You know, Todd, it's the home run. There's nobody out. Okay, fine. Get through a clean inning. You're facing Joe Panic. You're facing a lousy pinch hitter. And then sure, you got the top of the order. And Joe Panic, welcome to New York. A huge base hit to start the rally. Let's get to Ligaris. Number one, with the Met bench being in the state that it is, which is horribleness. It is a terrible, terrible bench. They need to get Brandon Nimmo back healthy. You know, maybe there's somebody else they could claim off waivers and hope they catch lightning in a bottle with. Uh, the Tigers just got rid of Josh Harrison, though he's been god-awful. The point is, Juan Ligaris, Aaron Altair, Tomas Nito, Luis Guillerme. I mean, the most major league of those guys is Tomas Nito. Let's face it, he is the most major league of all of those guys. It's not crazy to say that Steven Matz or Zach Wheeler or Jacob deGrom are better options than those guys on the bench, especially if you're going to bunt. If you're going to bunt, which I got to tell you, I'm anti-bunt. I have no problem in this situation because Juan Laguerra sucks. Because anybody you use is a subpar hitter. Your best opportunity is laying down a bunt. I have no problem with that. The problem I have is Juan Laguerra sucks at everything right now. He's not a good bunter. He's not a good hitter. I do not think it's that big of a deal to make it obvious to Davey Martinez that you're bunting by sending up Steven Matz. Because here's what I know. Even his at-bat would be better than Ligaris's. And of course, Juan can't get it down. Shockingly enough. Now, he's bailed out because what a day by Ahmed Rosario. Let's give him some credit. A lot of I think he had one two-strike hit, three hits in this game. Guy's a different ball player. He's a different guy defensively. He's a different guy offensively. A part of this run, a big part of this run, has been our guy Ahmed Rosario. No question about it. But he comes through with a big hit. And then obviously Michael Conforto gets his shirt ripped off with the game-winning laser beam line drive over Juan Soto's head. And my God, I mean, it is, it's pinch yourself kind of stuff. It really is. I mean, I don't know how you can be a human, a real sports fan of the Mets. Look, if you're a Yankee fan right now and you're laughing at us, that's fine. I mean, that's okay. I get it. I, I have learned over the last few hours that John Jastrzemski, I've had a good time with doing the shows. He's a good dude. He is a bona fide Met hater. I have now seen, not going to reveal him, that would not be right, but I have seen some of the texts that he sends in that Yankee chat that we talked about on the air today. If you missed it, he's got a chat with about four Yankee fans and one Met fan. I've seen what this guy writes. He hates the Mets, and that's okay. I mean, that's fine. That's his prerogative, but the guy hates the Mets. So if you're like that, that's fine. I mean, you can make fun of us all day. I don't really give a crap. I don't. I think if you listen to me, you know I have 
really very little ill feelings towards the Yankees at this point. I think that pisses off a lot of my Met fan compadres. I used to have it. I used to have it in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't have it now. The point is, even if you're laughing at me right now, whether you're a Yankee fan, Red Sox fan, whatever, if you are a Met fan, I mean, is this crap real? Is this real? Now, they haven't won anything yet. I get it. It's like the NBA game where you're down by 30 and you just tied the score. There's a lot to do. I'll be the first one to tell you. But the way they won tonight, they didn't just win tonight. They pulled it out of their ass tonight. I mean, between Alonzo and J.D. Davis and Todd Frazier, I mean, I want to make love to the bat flip. That bat flip is, <laughs> I mean, my God. I just, I haven't seen the replay yet. All I've seen is I look, like I mentioned earlier, I saw the bat go in the air and it is just, oh my God, Todd, Todd, you're the man. Right now, you're the man. I can't say this emotion's going to last. I'll just say right now, you are the freaking man. That's what I'll say. But how they won this game, how they pulled this out of their ass, how hopefully demoralizing it is to the Washington Nationals, it is very difficult to not be through the roof after a win like tonight. I'm sorry. How can you, how can you not be pinching yourself? Now, as far as the crowd is concerned, uh, I left the FAN studios at 6.20. I actually made very good time for a Friday. I parked my car at 7.12. I got into the ballpark as Stroman was getting through the bottom of the first inning. And then I was able to be in my seat, or at least the seat I was sitting in tonight. I was not in my normal season ticket tonight. Um, but I was in the ballpark, similar area. And the crowd was amazing. It really was. And I noticed this by walking in. It was jammed outside. I mean, a lot of people had probably issues getting in because of security. And the, I'll tell you, the only reason I didn't, and I, I very rarely do this, I'll be honest with everybody, I had to whip out a press credential to get in. Because if I went in with my ticket, it was going to take an hour. And so I'm not a big fan of using the credential. I very rarely use it. And the proof that I don't use it is I walk into this ballpark with some weird bag. Tonight I did book bag because I had the credential which I probably should do more often, but I didn't do it. I had to whip it out tonight just to get into the ballpark. But it was very busy outside, and as soon as I sat down, I mean, it was electric. It really was, and I certainly expect that tomorrow. I expect that on Sunday, maybe a little less Sunday with it being an afternoon game. But as Met fans, I think this is as bizarre of a season as we've ever seen. 1973 and 2001, here's the difference. It happens so much later. And what's cool about it happening now is it feels like we still have, you know, we have a month and a half. There's a long way to go, and that's good. That's bad, obviously. They have to maintain this or at least maintain playing good baseball. But you know what? It felt like the relevant games didn't start until mid to late September, obviously after 9-11, which is when their run really started. I I wasn't around for 73, but I do know where they were in mid-August. So this has been as unique of a Met season as we have ever seen. And I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's next. I ain't going to make any proclamations. All I can do, all Beningo should do, all all of us should do is cherish the moment. Because as Met fans, we don't get a lot of them. And when they occur, they're fleeting. They disappear. So they could lose tomorrow for all I know. They could lose the day after that. They could get swept by Atlanta. I have no idea. But in this moment, on this night, 
at City Field, it felt magical. Uh, and there's so many things I'm forgetting. Like, how about Ahmed Rosario with the leaping catch on the line drive that looked like was going to play two national runs? I mean, again, how about Rosario? I mean, let's go through the diamond. Wilson Ramos, despite looking just horrible on the wild pitch, had the base hit right before the Frazier home run. Kudos to Wilson. Alonzo, who's got to calm down with some of these diving attempts. Twice in this game, his over-aggressiveness defensively led to Nationals' base hits, but he hits the two-run home run that got them back in the game. Panic starts the rally with the base hit after Frazier ties it. Rosario, three hits. The hit right before Conforto gets the game winner. He made some great defensive plays, really led by that leaping catch. The Todd Father with the game tying. You'll never forget it. Three-run home run. I mean, it was just... It was a collective effort. Conforto with the game-winning hit. And look, the bullpen wasn't great. No one's going to lie about that. I thought that extra run was going to kill him. Nobody was dominant. So I'm not going to even sit here and give the bullpen much credit, other than the fact the bullpen didn't let it become a real disaster. I guess that's the credit I'll give him. It didn't become a disaster. But what a night at City Field. You got Noah Syndergaard going in game two, another game I'm pumped up to be at. I cannot freaking wait, and it's not for the Hawaiian t-shirt. It's certainly not that. And then obviously the wrapper-upper to this series Sunday afternoon with Big Jake on the mound looking to either win the series or sweep the series. I mean, it was just... And here's the thing, and this happens in the playoffs, and it's really the only time it happens when you start high-fiving random people. When, you know, random people just want to hug you and, and give you a high five and say, oh my God, is this really happening? It was playoff-like. And, and look, let, let's be fair about this, all right? As somebody that has been through many a Mets season and going to a lot of games, I don't think the electricity in this building is going to sustain. I don't expect it to be that way next week when the Indians are in town. I'm not saying it will. I think what made tonight and what will make tomorrow amazing is that we, as one voice... We are coming out and saying thank you for taking a season that looked like it was going down the toilet and making it matter. But they clearly, I I don't know if it was a sellout. I would say it was very close to a sellout. If there were empty seats, there were a couple here and there. But it was a, a monstrous crowd. It was electric. It reminded me of the postseason. And now they got to keep it up. And that's the thing. After tonight, you enjoy it. You enjoy every second of it. You try to recreate it in your mind. I mean, there's no way I'm going to sleep tonight. And then it's back to the grind because this is still a long season to go. This was, if I'm not mistaken, their 116th game. There is still a season to go. I still have trust issues with the manager. I think we all do. Marcus Stroman certainly needs, you'd want to see him pitch better, obviously, in his next start. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't electric tonight. And the bench is concerning. There's no doubt. I mean, when you've got to go to Juan Ligaris in a big spotlight, and you really have nobody. I mean, the first guy off your bench is Luis Guillerme. The second guy off your bench is Juan Ligaris. That's all you need to know. That's the state of where this Met bench is. So they are not flawless by any stretch. I still think outside of Lugo, you don't trust anybody in this bullpen. We didn't see Edwin Diaz tonight. I thought I saw him warming up in the seventh inning. If you're watching at home, maybe they showed it. I have no idea. I try to, to tell based on the windups, you know, who's warming up in the bullpen. So, look, we're not delusional 
we understand there is a long way to go. We understand that there are still many things that can happen. But on this night, in Flushing, Queens, it felt ridiculous. Now, I may do one tomorrow. We'll see. I'm going with my wife. I don't know if my wife wants to be in the car during one of these instant reactions. But thank you for listening. And L, what is it? L-F-G-M. Let's go Mets, baby!